And welcome back to another edition of On the Board Sports. I'm your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C. And you're in the place to be, along with our wonderful producer, Miles. He's always awesome. Just met Bill Nye today. Bill Nye was in studio. How about that? What was it now? Your second time meeting Bill Nye? Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But I'm, we have a very special guest with us today. Joining us live and in studio is the one and only Jonathan Kramer, poker pro himself. How you doing, John? I'm good, Will. Thank you for having me. Anytime, man. Anytime. John is a good friend of mine. Obviously, I've known him for almost a very long time, almost 15 years. I think more than that. Well, go back to what? 2003, just about. 16 years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I went to 194. Junior High School 194 in Whitestone. That's how I met John in school. Obviously, he is a absolute, like I said, he's a great poker pro. And we're going to talk poker with him in just a second. But how did you get into playing poker? It's a good question. So my father is a card player. Mm-hmm. Born in, I was born into cards. Since I can remember, I've been going with him to a barbershop in Roslyn. And Mateo's restaurant. He would go and play gin, six card gin rummy, knock rummy specifically. And I just remember specifically every time I would go with him to the barbershop, to the restaurant, I just felt alive. You know, being mm-hmm. seeing the guys interact, talking shit. Can I curse? Yeah, good. <laughs> talking shit, um, just enjoying each other's company. It was something that attracted me from an early age. Right. But poker, I got into when I was about 13, 14. Um, started playing home games with my friends. We'd play small games, $5 games, $10 games. And then it stopped. We just completely stopped playing for about three, four years. And poker to me was non-existent. I was focused on baseball, basketball, you know. And uh, being an athlete growing up, poker, it was it was fun for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I turned 18, and there's a park in Forest Hills called McDonald Park. Okay, it's a chess park. Now, I when I tell you, I was there every single day for two years straight playing poker in a park outside. That's where I learned the game. Right. That's crazy. It's i i love I love being I love being no. That's not what I say. I just love um, that that's where I learned the game. Right. Coming from Queens, being a city kid. Right. You know, most people that get into the game of poker, they're a little, they're a little different. And when I say different, I mean they're very educated. Not that I'm not educated, but they're very smart people. Right. Very introverts. You know, they're not really um, going to be. The life of the party, mm-hmm. they're quiet. They're not going to give away too much information. Whereas me, growing up, I was loud, aggressive, yelling, you know. And in poker, it's not how you are successful. You will never be successful in poker if you constantly are giving away information. Right. You know, it's a game of information. So it took me a while to realize that. So growing up, you went to Forest Hills High School. You played baseball for Forest Hills. You played basketball for Forest Hills. And yet you find your your commonplace, your you know, your your safe haven playing poker at a park. 
now a lot of people would say what the hell but you found it you know you absolutely found yourself and you enjoy doing what you do i love it don't get me wrong i have my i have my moments where i question um is this really what i want to do right every day and then i have my moments of clarity and i say yes this is exactly what i want to do you know if if my dreams don't scare me they're not big enough if i can't manifest greatness right i'll just give it to someone else right you know what i mean right now you've played basically in atlantic city you've went to las vegas played in the world series of poker obviously what has have you been were you starstruck at all doing what all this or you know seeing all the famous faces like the the phil right phil uh phil helmutes of the world and the daniel negraus of the world and everything like that even uh, uh phil ivy have you just basically just said whoa i'm playing at the same table with these guys or you just take back and you're like you know what i'm the man i know what i'm doing Anything like that at all? So I'm 29. I've been playing poker since I'm 22 professionally. Till I was 26, I was starstruck. I'd get nervous before a tournament because I put poker on a pedestal. I made poker bigger than what it was. Daniel Negreanu, Phil Ivey, they're just like us. Right. No different. Mm-hmm. But if the moment I put them... At a higher level than myself, I'll never be able to reach their level of success because I'm fearful of them. You know, mm-hmm. they have that factor, that it factor, because they've done it, you know. But today, I look forward to playing them. You know, I have a funny story for you. Antonio Esfandiari, um, a.k.a. The Magician, we're playing. I'm playing in the main event. It's the start of day two or three i'm not sure it was day two or three and i knew he was at my starting table because the table draws are out the night before right so i check my table draw do the inf- my research on my table see who's at my table see who's a pro see who's not see if anyone has any results you know just basic little information on my players so antonio has a famous line in poker to punish people he just loves to, I'm going to punish them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat them. I'm going to punish these limpers, you know, punish the weak. Right. So what do I do, being me? I walk up to him before the start of the day. I say, hey, Antonio, my name's Jonathan. I'm going to punish you today. <laughs> just like that. He looked at me like I was nuts. <laughs> it was so funny. And guess what? He ends up taking me out to dinner that night, invites me to Burning Man. I bluff him. <laughs> that's great i show him the bluffs yeah and then i get aces versus queens versus him mm-hmm. aces to queens and i was starstruck i told him in mid hand i had aces right just a certain like strike right just, there well, that's not only do you never reveal your hands but you don't tell one of the best players in the world what you have while you're playing against him in hand. Right. You know, so yeah. going back to that starstruck, yes, it's very real, you know, and just failing makes you realize that failing makes you realize in this game how to be successful. You know, mm-hmm. the little things, the little mistakes telling Antonio about my hand. I don't even know how I lasted the whole day. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. 
that's crazy right there. You know, you go up against all the poker pros, you get to see everybody. Have you ever like played up against athletes, like professional athletes, whenever they go to the casino at all? So Irv Gotti, um, born and raised in the city, he used to have a game on Fifth Avenue. He would fully stake me. Now this was back in this was back in two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. You know, I was just coming twenty one, mm-hmm. and I was very heavily into the underground scene. I played with Paul Pierce. Uh, who else did I play with? Paul Pierce is probably the biggest name that I played with. Folded pocket kings to him pre-flop. Correctly, by the way. Irv Gotti was pissed. He said, how do you fold kings to Paul Pierce? I said, he had aces. Yeah. <laughs> I said, he had aces. It was good fold. He said, you got to put it in. Yeah. I said, what do you mean? We just saved $4,000. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's just him being Irv. And um, who else? What other big names have I played with? Some artists. Some um, Who did I play with last year? Oh, shoot. He had a song with Ed Sharon. He wasn't very good at poker. But, yeah, they're around. Russell Westbrook's huge in the game. Loves poker. Always in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't played with him, but I've seen him in the casino. Um, Kevin Hart, huge poker player. Part of Poker Stars, Constantly promoting the game. Neymar. Uh, Neymar, who else is on there? Huge athletes, by the way. Because poker is a game of... It's just, you have to be smart to understand the game. You know, it's a thinking game. You have to read people, you know, and that's what I enjoy out of the game more than anything. Other than the money, just being able to understand why you're doing something. Love that. Right. And it's the ultimate one-on-one game. You know, when you raise somebody, you check somebody, you, you eliminate players like that, you know, and you talk about. Talk about baseball being a one-on-one game between a pitcher and a hitter. You talk about whenever you go up against uh, a basketball player going one-on-one with somebody. But nothing, nothing is more, in my opinion, more of a great feel than playing somebody heads up in poker. You know, because now you're raising them. So much can happen within the ma- in a matter of a poker hand. It can, you know. So how 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 have you sustained your success over the course of the past like seven years eight years well first couple years i failed miserably um was not winning not profitable and that had to do a lot with my everyday life you know Mm -hmm. um wasn't in the greatest places so it affected me um every day you know besides just in poker Mm -hmm. obviously it's gonna affect me in poker my everyday life is a mess but um it wasn't until I left for Florida where I had time alone to really sit back and talk to myself and ask myself, is this what you want to do? Can you do this? Right. Are you going to keep making the same mistakes? Mm-hmm. You know, and then eventually you find success because there's no choice to accept failure in life is something that a high percent of people do every day, every day. And if you can't separate a game between life, I feel bad for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you're going through it and you don't even realize it, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, it took me, like I said, I have to sometimes, sometimes, 
It's not like I can go on, on the mound, pick up the bat right well, right, and just be that guy. Mm-hmm. You can't do that because it's a mental game. Right. There's no physical aspects to it. No. Nothing at all. So it's me versus me. And it's the hand that you dealt with. It's not even the hand you're dealt with. It's your mindset. Your hand has nothing to do with poker. Absolutely nothing. Sure. The strength of your hand will allow you to make certain uh, plays, will allow you to be aggressive, will allow you to be conservative, knowing that um, I have 60% of the chips in play in the tournament, so I can play this style, or I have 20% of the chips in play. Now I have to adapt and hold on tight. Right. So in that point, the cards do matter. But for the most part, it's all understanding your position in the game and your chips. Because you could be dealt a strong hand with a um, you could be dealt a strong hand and not have um, a hot lot, not have a lot of chips. So your decision making is already made for you, right? You know, there's certain plays, there's certain moves in the game based upon your chips and your hands mm-hmm. that are called, it's standard. Right. You're going to do it time after time. You're going to lose sometimes, you're going to win. But knowing you're doing the right thing, the correct play, gives you a little peace inside your mindset. You know what I mean? So the hands don't really matter that much. You'd be surprised. And it's all about just mentally just going out there and just playing you know just playing the field reading people and just doing doing it up you know that's that's the only way how to play at this point from what from what i'm i'm gardening from you so john you you talk about you talk about playing the game you talk about seeing and being starstruck with people have any poker pros given you advice on how to play or you just go out there and you just you you know, you, you learn as you go. That's a great question. So it all comes back to I'm gonna go on two different directions with this. A I can talk to my whole um my circle of friends in poker that I trust that I would bounce um a hand off of. Right. Because if I know that you understand the game just as much as I do, if not more, it's, I have to talk to you about hands because I have to understand why you did that, why we should have done this or why this didn't work. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you can, I've had my moments where I won't talk to people about hands because I know better. Right. I know more than you. Right. I've made more money than you. My my earnings are higher than yours. I've I've won a bigger tournament than you. Wrong. You, him, whoever can teach me about life. And that's the thing about poker. It's just a game. So understanding the game, work hard for it. Me specifically. You gotta work towards that, you know? Because it's so simple. It's so easy to just say, screw it. You know? Why? Why do why why should I go talk to Will about this hand? What does Will know that I don't know? 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just um for me definitely that's something that I am grateful for mm-hmm. that I have so many people I can call and talk to about poker because they make me better every day because they open up my brain to look at it from all different angles. Absolutely. And you know, we've mentioned before going and playing at places like Atlantic City, Vegas. What is your favorite casino that you've been to over the course of your well, adult it should, life? It should be the one where I've made the most money, right? Whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever floats your boat. You know, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> My favorite casino um, is Bellagio in Las Vegas. I just love the uh, the history behind it, the energy inside the casino, the old vibes. You know, mm-hmm. I'm an old soul just like you, right? So I enjoy that. Um, Aria's any any um, casino in Vegas uh, is pretty much beautiful, gorgeous casinos. Atlantic City is very rundown. I don't suggest going to Atlantic City. Um, there's much better places to play. Yes, Philadelphia is huge. Uh, Pennsylvania, really? Philadelphia, huge parks. Uh, there's parks. There's sands. There's sugar sand. There's Cher- uh, Harris Cherokee. Right. Pennsylvania, Philadelphia is huge for poker. Mm-hmm. Huge. Um, but I specifically don't love Philadelphia. It's because I'm from New York. Right, of course. You know what I mean? Well, you're a Mets fan. Yeah, you I'm know. a Mets fan. I right. can't go to Philly to play cards. Yeah. What, what does this look like? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've actually, my most success is in Philadelphia at the Sands Casino. How how far is that away from downtown Philadelphia? Just about. I don't know. You don't know? I'm not sure. Okay, well, maybe. Maybe an hour. We'll look it up. Yeah. We'll look it up. But, uh, you know, you talk about places that you go to, everything like that. You, you're always bouncing around from New York, obviously, from Vegas, and you, you're living right now in Florida. There's plenty of casinos in Florida that you go to. What We'll stay on the subject of favorite casinos. What's your favorite casino in Florida? Um, the Hard Rock Seminole. And that's not my most successful casino in Florida either. Mm-hmm. But it's just where I enjoy going more. Absolutely. And, you know, talk about meeting people, talk about playing, playing games and advice and everything like that. Do you ever look at yourself and you say to yourself, damn, you know, coming from where you've come from, do you say to yourself, I've come a long way? thousand percent. thousand percent. And for a long time, um, I, uh. I didn't think that. I was like, nah, I don't deserve this credit, right. you know? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to, for me, understanding what I've been through. Right. Um, who's around in my circle, mm-hmm. you know? And the fact that I have such a strong circle, support, family, friends, all over the country, it gives me this motivation to keep moving because I, I have my days where I just say, I'm done. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if you can relate to that, but there's just some days where I'm just like, this is too much. I, I need a break from the universe. I don't want to do anything. Yeah. And you just want to realize. Yeah, I just want to be left alone. But that's the worst thing you can do. 
You know, those are the days when I have to reach out more, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you talk about talk about almost everything right now here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what would be like your, your favorite go to hand whenever you play? Mm. Aces. Of course, everybody wants aces. Everybody wants to get Dell pocket aces. But what is that? One in every two hundred and ten tries. Something like that. Yeah, that's crazy. Something like that. You know. But what would be like? I should your... know exactly what it is too. <laughs> <laughs> but what would be your your go to hand? Um, it's a good question. Because I I don't want to be entering the, the the secrets here. You know what I mean? There might be a poker player listening to this show and be like, they'll see you and they'll be like, oh, okay, you know, pocket I'll, nines. Pocket nines. Pocket nines. Yeah. You like the nines. I love my nines. It's my father's favorite hand. <laughs> it has a lot of power in our family, the number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that, uh, I see that happening, you know, during my process of playing. And when nines do come into, uh, when I'm playing and nines are around, you know, I know it's something's right. Something's going right. Right. So pocket nines, definitely. Ten jack suited. Um, seven, eight suited. Anything suited, connected, makes straights, flushes. Anything that I can beat pocket aces with that just has that other guy talking to himself, yeah. I'll play. Yeah, and having <laughs> them wonder, like, what does this guy have? Yeah. I have a flush. I have I have this. I have that. And then, boom, you know, you hit him with that. Yeah. You know? And then they start talking to themselves. And then I just look over. I'm like, yeah. You're in their head, literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> That's crazy. Man. You know, it's absolutely crazy the way how – the game of poker can actually like just make you think and make you feel, you know, um, lots still to talk about here outside of, uh, outside of poker. John, I know you're a huge Mets fan. I just want to touch on one thing oh, go ahead. real quick. Go ahead. Poker. Go ahead. So as a player, as a player, you are going to be, you're going to have a lot of freedom. You know, you asked me about all these different casinos that I've been to that I've played at. Right. And, the tournaments bring me to the locations. Now, every time, every casino I go to, I can, let's say hypothetically, I come in with the best mindset I could possibly have for that day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just not going to work out. You know, some casinos, the energy is just not going to be aligned with you. There's going to be some casinos where the energy's completely aligned with you as a person as a player as a professional as someone myself or my own experience knowing that there's possibilities that i could bring my a game and still be talking to myself on 95 on the way home because i got uh a 10 uh 10 i'm a 90 percent favorite and i lose or I'm a 98% favorite and I lose. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just what's basically my point is knowing where you're successful, knowing where you belong is very key and not forcing anything. Because if you force this game, people don't might not understand. It's a high stakes game, poker. You know, I'm investing thousands of dollars every time I'm in the casino. You know, that's deep. It's a lot of money. That's deep. A lot of money. So if I'm going to go invest this money in a casino where I know I'm not supposed to be at, I don't think I'm, how can I win? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and um, it's all core. It's all uh, relative. 
everything. Right. And it's just basically mentally too, mentally and having that gut feeling inside inside of you. Yeah. It usually a lot of people, the old saying goes, kid, if you if your gut feeling is strong about it, go after it. If not, then you know, try and stay away from it. That's essentially what you're trying to say. A hundred percent. And that's what I'm the message I want to get across for poker. Gotcha. Is understanding how powerful we truly are. Because it's not about poker. You know? Yeah. It's bigger than it's bigger than poker. This room is bigger than your show, right? You know what I mean? Yes, one hundred percent. You wouldn't be here if you weren't supposed to. We wouldn't be here if we weren't supposed to be, right? You know, mm-hmm. absolutely one hundred percent, man. You know, sometimes you just gotta gotta go with that gut feeling whenever you play. What in any sport, in any walk of life, and you know what? Too you, since you bring up, you know, percentages and. Everything like that. The probability of us being here right now inside the studio right now, 100%. But last year, I didn't think that we'd be having a podcast about poker. I really didn't, you know. I didn't think I'd be here talking to you you, or anyone for that matter about poker. You know what I mean? (laughs) But yet here we are right now. You know, there's always that possibility. There's always that once that thought goes into your head. Anything's possible. Mm-hmm. Anything is possible, no matter what. Even if you get dealt this shit hand, seven two hand, and you get dealt two sevens and a two, full house right there, and the guy has pocket aces. Hey, we just cracked aces with seven deuce. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anything is possible. That happened to me once. By did the way. it really? Yeah, it did. I was just a novice. How's your poker game, by the way? Uh, I'm not a poker pro. I can tell you that. But you know, whenever I go to the casino, that that'd be like the first thing that I do is just go out. I play poker. I'm not the guy that would go into the slots or, you know, put down $100 on like, you know. Red or black. Or red or black number. or anything like that. Or even go to the sports book and put down $100 on the Islanders or, you know, the Jets or whatever. But there is just something about poker that in my head and in my mind, I say to myself, you know what? The house doesn't win in this game. The house does not win in this game like in all the other games. Because you go up against another human being mm-hmm. and, you know, you play up against a certain person and you just say to yourself, okay, this is the ultimate one-on-one. Whether or not – or it could be three players, four players. You could go all in. Now you triple your chance of, you know, trying to trying to win a pot that you might not – that you might not win. But ultimately, the chips come to you mm-hmm. like that if you do win. It's a huge thrill for some people, and I get and I see why some people get hooked onto it. You know what I mean? But for me, it's all about self control. Whenever you see the bigger hand in the bigger picture, um, you know, always depends on the hand that you dealt. Like if I was dealt pocket aces, you know, you try to play cool, you try to play cool. You never want it. You always want to fish somebody in. You know, wrong. Okay, you don't. When you try to fish players in, when you try to bait them, that's when you get beat. There's a style. You have to be aggressive. Poker is an aggression, aggressive game. Right. The moment you let sit, let up and sit back and allow me to come in with that seven deuce, that's when we beat it's pocket over. aces. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So knowing that, knowing that you can be dealt pocket aces, and then everybody folds before the flop. It can be a little frustrating. 
best hand in the game. Hundred one out of every what two hundred something? Two hundred and ten tries. Some, yeah. So yeah. is that exactly what it is? By the I I seen that. I'm playing the poker app. I see that. You know, every I one in two hundred ten tries. Is it one two out of ten? You're probably right. Probably. Um. <laughs> um. Yeah. Where were we? Just talking about you know yeah, uh, reeling people in. Yeah. No. 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 Unless you have the nuts, which is the best hand. That hand. Then you 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 could lose. If you don't have the lock, you could potentially still lose. So you have to protect your investment. You have to protect your bets. You have to protect your hand. You never want to let your opponent in for cheap. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I see where you're coming from now. And that's very as a very common misconception in the game. Mm. Because people think, Oh, I have pocket aces, I have pocket kings. Let me try and get this guy's money. Right. No, it's the complete opposite. You got to play aggressive, knowing why you're being aggressive, and trust that it's correct. And let the uh, poker gods do the rest. That's interesting. That's very interesting, man. You know, that's why I'm a loser sometimes. (laughs) Whenever I go to the casino, no, you just don't know yet. You just got to talk to me more, (laughs) or talk to others. Exactly. Hey, exactly. Absolutely, man. I was in Vegas. Two weeks ago for I the know. bachelor party. We were talking about it. We were talking, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were talking about it. I was staying over at Caesars was for it? a bachelor party. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Hung out. My friend is for the bachelor party. He's actually getting married tomorrow. Really? Yes. Congratulations. Congratulations to Vincenzo Amato going out there and marrying Tatiana Drakidis. <laughs> so a little Greek action going on right now. You know, Italian Greek wedding about to happen. Opa. Opa, indeed. <laughs> you know, but uh, I'll say I can't wait for that wedding tomorrow. I really can't. But uh, before we go on, John, I know you played baseball in high school. And you college. And in college. You went to Queensboro? Mm-hmm. Queensboro, Nassau, and um, Queens College for a year also. That's very, that's an interesting interesting tale right there within the matter of, what, seven years playing just about? Four years, five years? College ball? Yeah, college ball and high school. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, high school. I uh, I came in as far as Phil's high school, you know, starting position to right out of 194. Right. Uh, came right from 194 to far as Phil's out of ninth grade. Started in second baseman, junior year, shortstop, up until senior year. Played a year or two in college. Fell off the first year after uh, high school. Took a year off. That hurt me in, in baseball. Right. You know, you take that year off. Ugh, it's tough at that competition mm-hmm. at that level. But um, I was able to bounce back, and uh, I played a little bit. I would have liked to go back in time and definitely put in those full four years mm-hmm. of playing, but here we are. So sometimes you need that. You need that little break, though. You yeah. know what I mean. You need that little break away. But uh, you know, you talk about playing and pitching and playing shortstop and everything like that. Where did the love of baseball come from for you? It was just in me. Baseball. It. I guess when you're a natural at something, right? It's easier to love it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. You kind of don't have to work as hard. Things come easier. You know, mm-hmm. that word natural, it, it just pick up that bat and get right out on that field, throw the ball around. Um, But I guess uh, my uncle and my father um, would, const- would always just bring me to Shea Stadium 
before uh, RIPJ. And I would just be on the field, um, throwing the ball around with the, the pros, hitting off the tee, pitching in the bullpen, you know? So just, I was always very connected to the highest level of the game. So with that, it was very easy for me to just become a baseball player. Now, how did you incorporate, not incorporate, but how did you get onto the field and playing with the pros and everything like that? Because I've seen photos of you and a video of you as a kid on Instagram. You posted it. I, I got to see it. Being a bat boy for the Chicago Cubs and everything like that. How did that happen? Uh, my uncle is best friends with Don Baylor. Rest in peace to Don Baylor. Uh, he was the manager of uh, the Cubs at the time. Mm-hmm. But before that, he was with the Expos, the Rockies. And um, my uncle used to own a store uh, in the city, clothing store called Lee Mazzilli's. He was Lee Mazzilli and him were partners. Mm-hmm. And um, all these athletes would just come into the store because of Lee. So my uncle made uh, connections with them, stayed in contact. To this day, he's got huge friends you know in sports right and um that's how i was able to get in there wow that's amazing and you talk about you talk about don baylor like you know as a kid growing up around such major leaguers as sammy sosa i thought i was gonna be one definitely did at a kid you're young you're dreaming of being a pro athlete anything's possible but when you're there as a kid, you talk about being starstruck around poker players. Were you actually starstruck around you know, these? It's weird. I wasn't. These baseball players? I wasn't. You know, that picture of me as a bat boy? Right. Um, I don't remember who hit the home run, but I was probably I was probably like four foot six. In that. Do you remember the picture? I think so. I was small in the picture. Yeah. I, and I, um, I might have been 10, 11 years old. <laughs> And we're at Shea Stadium, full stadiums packed, crowds going nuts, home runs being hit. And here I come up to uh, go to get the bat, and I don't leave home plate. I just stand there waiting to give him a pound <laughs> during the middle of the game. Right. But he's tr- trotting in from for the home run, and just I don't just being on the field to me is the most natural high. As an athlete, for me, just being on that diamond, you know, it's it's where mm-hmm. I belong. Mm-hmm. You know, my whole life I've been on the diamond. You know, you 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 too. When you get on that diamond, don't you just feel this is where I belong? Yeah, I look. I mean, outside of the uh, the sandlot, you know, I mean, playing with the with the kids and everything like that. You know, back in the day, I never really played high school sports outside of bowling, but that was pretty much about it. But I know people that have played out there. For high school teams, for college teams, even for a couple pro teams, you know, there's a lot of things that go on and happen in that in that time. But as a kid, yeah, everybody wants to be out there on the diamond and be one of the one of the best nine players to be out there, you know, with the competition and everything. And I think the reason why I wasn't starstruck is because I was naturally so good at the game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, for poker, I had to work towards that to get to where I'm at today. Right. You know, but um, yeah, just just naturally knowing you belong takes away a little bit of the anxiety and the stress, and uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It takes away everything for that matter. For for a brief moment in time, for three hours of that time, wherever you may be, you just forget about your problems. Yeah. You just forget about them. You know? You talk about players and you talk about being out there on the field. Any professional ball players give you advice on playing baseball and even playing basketball for that matter? Yeah, definitely. Um I used to get trained um all the time, you know. It's been a while since I've uh, been in that mindset to look for advice mm-hmm. in sports, you know, yep. being 29 today. Um, we're talking 10 years ago. Right. You know, but um, definitely, yeah, I was always given amazing advice, uh, you know, just just fundamentals. And like I said, I'm going to use this word again, natural. It just came natural. You know, it, it wasn't... It wasn't hard. Right. So understanding the, the game and everything and why you're telling me this, it was easy to uh, to take in. Absolutely. And you talk about fundamentals, just repeating the easy things over and over and over again. You can't take those things for granted in order to become a successful ball player. Especially in baseball. If you, And if you don't play the game, um, I highly suggest you look into it because uh, science – it's the toughest thing to do, right? Hit a round ball with a round bat. Right. Come in 98 mm-hmm. and then an 86 curve. <laughs> you only had at least, what, 4? 0.3 seconds or 0.4, I think Griffey said back in the day. That's that's the equivalent of Derek Fisher getting off his shot. and That, that actually passed by almost 15 years ago. Imagine you have to be at home plate and react in less than, less than half a second. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I've, I've, me personally, I've never faced a, a pitcher that threw harder than like 85 miles an hour. But still, to go out there on a consistent basis, the way how you did it, is just absolutely—it's unbelievable. And a lot of people look up to you from from wherever you come, whether it be from the old neighborhood, whether it be people that you went to school with. You know, it's just crazy. Yeah, thank you for that. You know, it really is just crazy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you know. Talking about baseball, talking about, you know, poker and everything like that. John, I know you're a huge, huge Mets fan. What made you love the Mets? Uh, I was born into it. Definitely born into it. Being from Queens, born and raised, uh, passing the stadium almost every day on the highway. You know, the Van Wick or the Grand Central. Mm -hmm. And um, just knowing that, that the Mets were in our in my backyard, uh, it was no brainer, you know. Yeah, no brainer. Who was your favorite Met growing up? That's a good question. Hmm. My favorite Met growing up. I might have to go with Mike Piazza. Of course, everybody loved Mike Piazza. I might have to go with Mike. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, number one. Well, does he have the most got- home runs as a catcher, right? Yeah, most home runs as a catcher ever in the history of the Major League Baseball. And I just loved when he threw that bat at Roger Clemens. That, I just lo- <laughs> like, I just love that, you know, just, that just aggression. That, I just love the natural aggression. Just don't throw this at me, you know. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you talk about you talk about the two thousand Mets. That was tough. That that was a tough. I'm a Yankee fan. You know we were, this. We were in school. I was in. Uh, what were we? Elementary school, right? Ten, well, we were ten years old. That yeah, happened. yeah. I still remember it. <laughs> I still remember that too. That was a Sunday night. That was a Sunday night. That game. 
Which game? Game two. When Clemens. Oh, was that? Was that game two? That was game two. That was game two on a Sunday. Sunday night up in the Bronx. Saturday was game one. Mets could have had game one. I mean, let's be honest. Every time the Mets turn the World Series, we blow it. I mean. Last time we were in the World Series, we blew that. 2015? We blew that. First Kansas City? Yeah. Oh. What what did he familiar blow? Two games? I believe so. Or three? I believe so. I think two. Guaranteed two, right? Yeah. Guaranteed two. Yeah. But that's crazy, man. How about a favorite baseball player growing up? Like overall, overall game. Hands down, Ken Griffey Jr. Tried to model you swing, tried to model everything. I wish I was a lefty. I wish, but um, (laughs) just I don't know what it was, man. I'm I'm born on the 24th, so um, I'm a little biased to the number 24. Mm -hmm. And um... I met him when I was younger. Funny story, actually. I'm at Yankee Stadium in the dugout. Um, Yankees are playing the Mariners. And Griffey Jr. is in center field taking fly balls. Uh, they're doing BP. I'm in the dugout. My father, my uncle. And I pick his bat up. Right? 30 seconds later, guess who comes running in from center field? Griffey Jr. Mm-hmm. And guess what he does? It's all wrong. No, he takes the bat away from me and says, give my bat. <laughs> <laughs> Just says it just like just, that. Hey, give my back, kid. Like you can't touch that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was that was definitely a cool moment. That also happened with Tom Glavin. No, no, no. Greg Maddox. Mets are playing Greg Maddox. Um, at home, Braves. I touch his glove in the dugout. You know, it's just right there. Maddox freaks out. Can't touch. You know how superstitious baseball players are. Yes. Maddox gave up 10 runs in the first inning that day. Oh, <laughs> you think he blamed me? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's crazy. Right? That's absolutely nuts. <laughs> and nobody ever – like, you, the fans, like, they don't think about that stuff. But you look at, like, the, the crazy hardcore fan. Like, if he were to say – if Glavin were to say that in the media, like, yeah, the damn bat boy touched my glove. <laughs> like It's what, looking like he's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not, not even nuts, but, like, the hardcore fan will be like, that damn kid, yeah, why you touch yeah, the glove? yeah. You know, like that's how some people are, though. Like some people just step over the 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 uh, the infield line. You know, the fair, the fair line foul line. I used to do that, and then I stopped. I realized that I did it because others did it. Right. You know, and that also another thing you see people doing it, you do it. Yeah. You know, and that allows us to go back to what I was talking about earlier, the mental part of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the biggest part of life. You know. You know, we're here talking about sports and poker, but at the end of the day, you know, the message that I would love to be able to give to someone is stay hopeful, you know, be positive. If you, if you want to do something, you can do it. Right. And, you know, it's, you're right. Anything is possible. You always got to believe you always got to have that mindset that, Hey, look, listen, there's going to be bad times, but there'll always be good times. You think Griffey Jr. didn't have bad times? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Absolutely not. Any professional athlete will tell you. Any professional athlete will tell you that. Um, You know, John, I know you're a huge Knicks fan too, and you probably got to see a lot of pro basketball players growing up. I know we talked about this over the Instagram Live video, but what's your take on the – before I go with that, how did you get into playing basketball? Just playing in the park, seeing athletes, playing with other kids, floor is all yours. How did I get into basketball? Yeah. I guess I just picked up a ball one day, started playing. But um, I guess I think it's that simple, right. really. But um, for me, 
I enjoyed playing basketball more than baseball. Mm-hmm. I just liked the – it was quicker. It was more aggressive. Not that baseball's not an aggressive game. It's very aggressive. But just constantly moving and running, I enjoyed it. I almost picked it over baseball mm-hmm. um, in high school. But then I, I was – I'm a much better baseball player naturally than basketball. But, um, yeah, man, just any time I can be in a, on a team – um, around the guys doing what I do naturally the best, right. which is playing sports, mm-hmm. I'll jump to it. I'll jump at it. Absolutely. You know? When you went to Forest Hills, you played with Mo Harkless? Yes, sir. What was that like playing with the future pro? You know, I say it all the time. We had lunch together as well. Okay. Mo sat in the same spot. Every single day. Same position every day. Well, the kid didn't talk to anybody. He knew where he was going. He knew how much... He knew what could have happened coming from Queens. You know, any part of the city. Mm -hmm. You're going to be dealt with, you know, what's what I'm looking for. Uh, you're gonna be dealt a crappy hand no matter what. You're gonna, yeah, you know, and knowing the your ability, the kids and the kids amazing. I, I I love telling that story. Just how focused he was, because at that age, most people are, and even today, you know, right. it's so it's so easy to just get off track. Mm-hmm. But just seeing someone at that age work and get there, coming from where we're from, right. Practicing day in and day out with the future pro, you get to see that. And he wasn't all that back then. He wasn't our best player in high school. Right. He wasn't. That's crazy. That's crazy to think, man. We, um, Andre Armstrong was probably our best player back then. He's playing pro ball in Europe somewhere, I think. Mm-hmm. Last I heard. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. And that time frame that you go in. For high school basketball is probably the best in the city, both with the CHSAA and with PSAL. You had a lot of guys coming out. Lance Stevenson coming out of Lincoln. Saw all of them. Lance Stevenson, Sebastian Telfair, Danny Green, um, his brother Gerald Green. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? You got to see. You give. You know. You Sil- know. Sylvan Landisberg coming oh. out of Sil- coming out of Holy Cross. Mike Cavateo coming from Mike Cavateo coming from St. Francis. Shout out to Prime. Mike Cavateo and Southern Landsberg, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. The, like I said, I got to see both of them play in person. Crazy. That was great rivalry, prep versus cross, right? I, yeah, it was Battle yeah. of the Boulevard. And you know they're both from Forest Hills, where I'm from. Really? They're both from Forest Hills. Well, I know Sylvan had had a thing going on in Whitestone. He um. So when it was time for him to make a decision to play high school, mm-hmm. uh, his parents moved closer to the school. Right. So that's why um, – that's how he ended up in Flushing or Whitestone. Right. But um, Sylvan grew up uh, – on we grew up on the same block, Sylvan and I. That's amazing. Same block. That's amazing. Yeah. We, we were best friends um, up until uh, high school and then you – know, Wow. A little, little – of course, life comes at you. Yeah, yeah, you know for I mean? sure. We're still in contact to this day. Even, even, uh, even you look at Malloy. Malloy always pumps out kids left and right for basketball. Russ Smith came from Malloy. Did he? He well, he. I think he transferred out of Malloy, but he came out 
I know he came out from there. I got to see him play before the whole ridiculousness happened with Louisville. And then Rocco Rubino, hmm. you know, another great talent, yeah. another great name. Even a guy like Irvin Walker from Christ the King. Irvin Walker. Wow. Yeah. You're We've been bringing talking it. about throwbacks right wow. there. Wow. I know. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Thank you. Another great high school basketball player, too. You know, but who would have thought out of all these players, right, that we don't even think about a guy like Kylo Quinn, Kylo Quinn, like you talk about with Mr. Armstrong being the best player. Sylvan was the best player. Oh, hands down. Sylvan was the best player. Hands down. And he, you know, playing with Blaze, plays French, playing with all those guys. And yet Kylo Quinn transferred out, went to Campus Magnet. Where Kylo Quinn went to cross? Yeah. I did not know that. He went to the cross for like the good like couple of years. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. And he, he, he transferred out. He went to Campus Magnet. And then he forgot the college that he went to. This is how crazy this is. Went to college and he got drafted in the second round by the by by the Knicks. Right? By the Knicks? Uh, it's crazy. Hometown kid. Gets drafted by the, by the team. By the New York team. Nuts. That's as big as it can get, I believe. Right? Absolutely. And everybody talks about Kemba. Everybody talks, talked about it at that time. Well, Sylvan and everybody Lance, like that. Lance. Sebastian right. Telfair. Well, at the, we're talking about 08. That, okay. that class of 08. That was, he was before us. Right. Telfair was, right? Yeah. But, but still, to have Kyle come from where he came from was crazy. He wasn't an all-star back then? I don't think so. I, you know, I never heard like the, the name like that until like, well, Sylvan had that. Sylvan had the, yeah. the, he had the scoring record for Holy team. Cross. Yeah. Right? You know, but still, it's crazy. It's but tough. It absolutely is tough because you never know. You know, you never know what the hand that you're going to get dealt. Not, no pun intended on that one. <laughs> but just real quick, John, I know you're a huge Knicks fan. We'll go a couple minutes within the Knicks here. What's your thoughts on the Knicks getting that third pick? I mean, I'm a positive person. I have to look at the the positive in it. Um, so I was pissed when I saw we got the third pick. Right. I threw the water bottle at the floor. Mm-hmm. I was yelling and cursing. I was upset, you know. Right. I'm a diehard basketball fan. Yet alone Nick fan, I'm a basketball fan. So just to see how they kind of just just threw us. Just threw us a bone, right? You know, it, right. it it literally that's how it felt, you know. And um, hey, I hope we get R.J. Barrett. I hope I just hope we make the playoffs. <laughs> I just want to make the soon, playoffs. Soon, one year, one day, one day it'll be that reality. And it's it's upsetting because New York hasn't been so excited for anything, <laughs> and then we get that. It's, it was slap in the face from well, the NBA. Yeah, I, 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 I totally understand that. You know what I mean? But I, I don't want to believe that. I don't. But then everyone's saying it. You know. So it, it it's tough. Gotcha, John. How can people follow you on social media? Um, JK Grinds twenty four on Twitter, and JK underscore Hustle on Instagram. Very interesting. Do you have like a, a website for your your poker? Like how people can follow you on poker? Or you just you know. So that's a good question. I don't post much poker uh, content. 
because I truly believe I'm more successful when I don't. Right. And for that reason and that reason only, I don't post a lot. Mm-hmm. But if anybody would like to talk um, poker, anything, shoot me a message. Uh, JK Grinds on Twitter and JK Hustle on Instagram. Absolutely. That That is just a great episode talking with you. Bring back a lot of memories from, from when we were teenagers and, you know, not knowing that you were – I know that you went to high school in Forest Hills and everything like that and playing basketball and baseball and with the whole poker story and everything like that. But, man, what a pleasure it has been talking to you, John. It absolutely has been. It really is. You know, can't wait – I can't wait for this episode to drop so that way people can actually listen to this conversation because it is truly awesome to hear you doing what you're doing right now and you like it. And um, I'll be in Vegas May 30th till July 16th. The WSOP World Series is starting up in two weeks. So who knows? I may be talking to a future poker pro champion right now. Maybe talking to a bracelet winner real soon. Can't wait, man. I love the confidence. Oh, I mean, thank you. But uh it's a, it's uh it's a humbling it's a humbling journey. It really is. Because like you said a little earlier, how, you know, I don't like to believe it how people kind of do look up to me and and respect, you know, everything that I do right. in this game and, and it's it's real. And I know that today. It is definitely it's real. real. It is. So with that, um I'm excited for the World Series. Very excited. I can't wait to see you on TV, man. I can't wait. Thank you. Such <laughs> <laughs> turning dreams into reality right there. It's absolutely one hundred percent awesome. For everybody here at Gotham Podcast Studios, for our wonderful producer Miles, and for the wonderful Matt and Brianna Peters, the owners of Gotham Podcast Studios. I am your host, William Trucci. Logging off, we will talk to you soon. Peace. Take care, guys.